If you would, open your Bible to Genesis 39. We are continuing our series on the book of Genesis, a series entitled, Not Alone, and the title of today's message is also, Not Alone. Some of you may remember this famous football or soccer match. In 1986, England faced Argentina in the quarterfinals of the FIFA World Cup of Soccer. And at one moment in that match, the, uh, a player from the Argentina team, footballer Diego Maradona, leapt towards the ball. At the same time, England's goalie, Peter Shilton, he leapt towards the ball. And Maradona hit the ball with his hand into the goal. Now, it was illegal to do a handball in soccer, as many of you know, but the referees didn't catch it. And despite all the protests from England, uh, they let the goal stand, and Argentina went on to win 2-1. to one. And after the game was over, they interviewed uh, Maradona, and he made a statement that has become pretty well known since that time. A reporter asked him how the goal was scored, and he said this. He said, it was a little of the head of Maradona... And it was a little with the hand of God. And so to this day, that goal is known as the hand of God. And it's, you know, played up. And I mean, there's pictures that show him hitting it. You can see the replay on video, but they didn't have instant replay back then. So you can imagine England was having a hard time that the referees didn't catch it, that they lost, that, you know, this was a handball goal. But to add insult to injury for him to say, you know what, basically God scored on you. Uh, God helped me score on you um, was, was something that they were really struggling with. And aside from the soccer field, this is the age-old quandary of what does it look like for God to be with someone? What does it look like for God to be with us? Is he only with us when we're winning and absent when we're losing? Or only with us when things are going well and absent when things are going poorly? Everyone seems to want to have the Lord on their side and to claim, oh no, he's, yeah, he's definitely on our side. So what does it look like for God to be with his people? Well, Genesis chapter 39 addresses this question and the longing that God would be with us and the longing that we would know that God is with us. And so let's look at this together. If you have your Bible open, Genesis 39, let's begin reading in verse 1. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had, brought him from, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him 
and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing on the, of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day, when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by her until his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you brought among us came in to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph. And showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did... The Lord made it succeed. Let's pray together. Well, Heavenly Father, we adore you and thank you for opportunities like this, Lord, where 
you meet with us as a people. You minister to us, you show us your character, you show us what you're like and what you're not like, and we just thank you, Lord, for how your word leads us and envisions us. And Lord, I do pray this morning, as we come to you, Lord, we, we pray that your kingdom would come and we pray that your will would be done. Lord, it's very easy for us to be about going about building our own kingdoms. And so we ask, Lord, you would build yours. We, it's very easy to slip into trying to accomplish our will at all costs. And so we acknowledge, Lord, the one that we want done is your will. And so would you use your word this morning to accomplish and to speed along your purposes, the building of your kingdom, you reigning as king over all. And we submit to you joyfully. We thank you that there is great joy as we bow the knee and confess with our lips that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord, I, I thank you that you are, have anticipated what you want to use this word to accomplish in our lives. And we pray that by your spirit, you would accomplish it. We thank you. We praise you in Christ's holy name. Amen. Well, back in Genesis chapter 37, Joseph received two dreams from the Lord. Two dreams that he was going to be exalted, that he was going to be a ruler, that others were going to bow down to him. But this chapter seems to be a huge blow to those dreams because rather than going up the social and political ladder, he seems to be going down and down again. First, it's slavery. Joseph was free with his father. He was his father's favorite son, but he was sold once to Midianite traders. He was sold a second time when they got to Egypt to Potiphar. And there's this little glimmer of hope there in those first verses where we read that he became a successful man and that it was obvious that he was successful. He became an overseer in Potiphar's house. But still, this success, this, this measure of oversight is coming to him as a slave. And in his slavery, he is met with temptation. Temptation. Potiphar's wife demands for Joseph to lie with her. And in verse 10, he, he, verse 10 tells us this is, didn't just happen once. It says it happened day after day. So Joseph wasn't just fighting sexual temptation. He was fighting the temptation to fear for his life. And then when he refuses Potiphar's wife, he is met with false accusation. Potiphar's wife uh, accuses Joseph of trying to rape her. She calls the other servants as witness. And so, you know, here he is. He's trying to do the right thing. He's, he's trying to honor God, and yet he comes away falsely accused, which leads to prison. Joseph is thrown in prison. And so all outward signs in Joseph's life or that he is moving in the wrong direction. And it's not because of poor choices. 
he finds himself as a victim of jealous brothers, the victim of a sex-crazed, lying woman. And we can wonder in moments like this, like, where is God in this? Why is God allowing this to happen? Doesn't he see? And why isn't he intervening for Joseph? But the fact of the matter, church, is that we don't just ask those questions for Joseph. We ask those questions for ourselves as well as we're going through things. Like, where where is God in my suffering? Why haven't I been healed? Why, Why doesn't he answer my prayer? Isn't he going to do something? I've asked him. You see, this chapter, and there's other chapters like it, this chapter is in our Bibles, church, to provide comfort. Comfort of God's presence, comfort of God's purpose, and comfort of God's love. God wants his people to discern his presence see his purpose, and trust in his love. That's for the first readers of Genesis. That is for us here today. So let's look at each of these in the passage. God wants his people to discern his presence. Look at verse 1 again. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man and was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hand. So immediately after the fact that Joseph is sold into slavery, we are told, important fact, the Lord was with Joseph. And it's twice there in the opening verses, the Lord was with him, and Potiphar recognized the Lord was with him. And then you skip down to the end of the passage, look at verse 20, he's in prison, And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison, verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And then again, verse 23, the keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. You see, when Joseph moves from freedom into slavery, we're told the Lord is with him. And then when he moves even lower from slavery to prison, we're told again, the Lord is with him. This is the covenant God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is with this man. He is not alone. And there are, in this chapter, so many mentions of the Lord. So many times the Lord is mentioned as doing something, and in this case, being with Joseph. And you contrast that with the previous two chapters, chapters 37 and 38, where God's name is very rarely mentioned, if at all. 
And yet here, as things are going from bad to worse, as things seem to be flying out of control, as things like, how could this be God's plan? We are told again and again and again, the Lord is present. The Lord is not absent. He is with his people. You know, anytime we see the word Lord in all caps like we see in this passage, that is the covenant name of God. It's translating the name Yahweh, the name that will later be revealed, God will later reveal to Moses, this is the name by which I shall be remembered through all generations. It's, it's God's covenant name. And so who, who's the one with Jesus? I'm sorry, who's the one with Joseph? It's the covenant-making, covenant-keeping. The God who says, I am who I am, he's with Joseph. As things are going from bad to worse. One commentator put it this way. He says, the name Yahweh occurs here at what is the most uncertain moment in the life of Joseph. The most uncertain. God wants us to discern His presence because the first thing that we're tempted to do in uncertain moments like this, when things are difficult, when things don't make sense, the first thing we're tempted to do is wonder, where'd God go? Where is He? Well, We know he was with Joseph. And God wants to assure you and I this morning, no matter how bad things get, no matter what happens in our lives, he hasn't left the building. Our our circumstances are a poor barometer of God's presence. Our feelings are a poor measure of God's presence. The best indicator that God is with us is his promise that he's going to be with us. You see, Joseph prefigures another man who went down, down, down. Another man who the more he sought to obey the Lord, the more things got bad for him. You know this man. This is Jesus. Jesus resisted all temptation. Jesus was perfectly righteous in every thought and deed and motive. The Lord was with him. But but the more things as he walked with the, the Lord, the things in his life got worse and worse. He was falsely accused. He was betrayed and beaten and crucified. And he cried out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, as he literally bore our sin, he was forsaken by the Father. When writer Ian Duguid, he says, in that terrible moment, the Father was not with Jesus so that he might be with us forever. God the Father forsook Jesus the Son for our sin. Jesus bore the wrath 
that we deserved. Jesus bore it. He was cast out so that we might be brought into the presence of God forever. For everyone, if you're here this morning, you trust in Jesus alone. The promise is He will never leave you nor forsake you. He's with us. And so God wants us to, church, God wants us to discern His presence because there are times that it can look like God is far away. There are times that it can feel like He is absent. Looks and feelings are deceiving. But His promise is sure. And so God wants us to discern His presence. That's the first point of the passage. The second point is that God wants us to see His purpose. God wants us to see His purpose. This chapter is often approached as a textbook case of how to resist temptation. You see Joseph admirably resisting that sexual temptation. It's a big contrast because in the last chapter we saw Judah giving way to sexual temptation. And so what we see here is definitely commendable. It's honorable. It honors the Lord. God's at the center of it. But this chapter is not merely about, hey, resisting, here's how you resist temptation. There is a bigger picture. And that bigger picture is the more Joseph seeks to honor the Lord, the worse things get for him. So verse 1, he's a slave. Verse 2, he applies himself in his slavery. There's a measure of favor, a measure of blessing. He honors Potiphar. He refuses Potiphar's wife advances. And then what happens to him? Verse 20, he gets falsely accused and ends up in prison. This pattern, we've seen this before in Genesis. This shows up many times later throughout the Bible. This pattern of seeking to honor the Lord and things getting worse gets played out time and again. And we know, because we know how this story goes, that Joseph becomes the vice regent in Egypt. He becomes Pharaoh's second man. But at this moment, as he's going from slavery to prison, he doesn't know that's coming. We know that Abraham would eventually father Isaac, but he didn't know that in year 5, year 10, year 20. We know that David eventually became king over Israel, but when he was fleeing from Saul and hiding in one cave and then in another cave, he didn't know that. You see, God's preserved his word for us So that when our circumstances don't line up with what God has promised, we can trust that he is really going to do what he said he's going to do. And so it's over and over and over again, God showing us, I've got a bigger purpose. I've got a plan that's playing out. We don't always see what's going on. Here's a part of his bigger purpose. Church, one day for everyone who trusts in Jesus, We will be with him forever. There will be no more sin. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more pain. 
There'll be no more tears. We will have been saved. We will have been fully transformed by the mercy of God. We will see our Savior face to face. And it is absolutely glorious. And, and even when we, when we don't see things happening in this life, we know that's coming. And so we can rejoice. But how are we going to get there? What's life going to play out as we await that certainty? Well, God doesn't tell us. Many days as you and I seek to honor the Lord, things can get worse. And I'm sure there are days that when, when Joseph was sitting there, he was thinking to himself, well, I've hit rock bottom today. And then he realizes later, oh no, actually that was not the bottom. This kept happening to him. I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you're like trying to either drive or walk somewhere and for a while you actually have to go in the opposite direction. So it's like I want to go this way, but somehow the map is taking me this way. And you go that way and then it somehow has to go around some obstacle in order to get there. Well, that, that's a great picture of God's ways. Before he exalts Jesus and gives him the name above every name, he allows him to suffer and die on the cross for sin, humbled to the point of death. And God wants us to see this pattern throughout Scripture in order to enliven us to walk by faith. One of the things that stands out to me when I read Genesis 39 is, is just how Joseph isn't wallowing in despair. It's, there's no point that we read, and Joseph sat in his bed all day long and said, woe is me, God. Why are you allowing this ha- to happen? Now, lamenting to the Lord is a category. We see it in Psalms. Lamenting is precious. Praying for God to work in our lives and in our situations is a wonderful thing. If you know me, I love praying with you and for you for life things to change for us. But there is a danger in our prayers of praying essentially, Lord, my kingdom come, my will be done. I want heaven now. I I have that impulse in my heart and I have to be wary of it. I would encourage us as well. It is a an impulse that can be alive and well in us. Jesus, uh, Joseph could have easily passed his days just telling everyone how miserable he was. How much he had been sinned against. Let me tell you about my brothers. Hey, while I have your listening ear, let, let me tell you how I tried to honor God and he left me high and dry. There's none of that in Genesis 39. He's a slave. The Lord is with him. He tries to honor God, things go badly. The Lord is still with him. That's the pattern. And so he doesn't have this bigger picture yet. But he's there and he's like, okay, if I'm going to be a slave, let me be a slave to the glory of God. If I'm going to be a prisoner, let me be the best prisoner I can possibly be to the glory of God. While I wait, while I don't understand what the Lord is doing. Years later, 
when his brothers showed up and he, you know, he spoke about it many times with them. But here's what he said in Genesis 50, verse 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. God's purpose had an enlivening effect while he was in slavery and in prison and afterwards. And it it, it can meet, knowing, knowing God's presence can meet you and I as well to know that he is bringing about his grand purposes in our lives. So the Lord wants us to discern his presence, to see his purpose, and then lastly, to trust his love. To trust his love. Verse 20 again. Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. So even in this move from slavery, which was bad, to prison, which was worse, the Lord God was showing him steadfast love. Now this word, steadfast love, it's the Hebrew word hesed. It is a beautiful word that reoccurs in the Old Testament. It's often translated like steadfast love. Sometimes it's translated goodness, kindness, covenant faithfulness. God showers his people with covenant-keeping love. And just like we can doubt God's presence when things get tough, we can doubt God's love. We, we can actually think, wait, if God loved me, I wouldn't be in this situation. I wouldn't be facing this. He, he would make this dif- difficulty just stop if he loved me. But it's at this moment in Joseph's story that we read, yes, no, here as well. At this moment, in this scrape, the Lord is showing his people steadfast love. So where somebody might say, well, doesn't God care? Verse 21 says, yes. Yes, he cares. Joseph is away from his father. He's away from the land of promise that was promised to Abraham. He's a foreigner. He's marked as a rapist. He's confined to prison. And the Lord is showering him with his steadfast love. That's glorious. That that doesn't always compute for me. And and some of us, we, we need to hear that. We need this reminder because we often measure God's love based on our circumstance and based on our feeling and based on things going well for us. I, I've noticed over the years, just even one of the things I'll do is like when something goes really well, I'm like, wow, Lord, you are good. And I just have had more of this check of realizing actually he's good when things aren't going the way I wanted them to. Wow, Lord, you really love me. It's obvious. Wow, you, you let that go. You know, all those green lights in a row. That was, 
I am blessed. And to realize, no, there's this whole category of the Lord's love that's not me getting everything I want when I want it. My kingdom, my will. In the next chapter, uh, chapter 40, Joseph is going to ask the cupbearer. He says, I want you to show me this kindness. It's the same word, hesed, this this love, steadfast love. But the cupbearer forgets Joseph. He forgets to show him that faithfulness. Only God never forgets. Only God perfectly loves in an unfailing, unending kind of way. Romans 5.8 says, God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God shows His love for you and I today. He shows His love for you and I afresh tomorrow and the day after and the day after that through what He did by sending His Son to die on Calvary's cross. And so here's what's going on with Joseph. Life's going from bad to worse, from slavery, false accusation to prison. But what's God doing? God is with him. God is carrying out his purpose. And God is showing this man his love. So let me ask, are you discerning God's presence in your life? Are you, are you discerning God's presence? Or do you assume God's absence when things get difficult? You see, if you and I only think that God is present when there are miracles happening and prayers are getting answered and things are going from good to better, that's a very narrow view of the presence of God. God's only with you a little bit of the time. But his promise, Jesus promised, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He's with us. Are you discerning his presence in your life? Let me ask you another question. Are you seeing his purpose? Are you seeing his purpose? Does it enliven you? Even if your life is headed in humble directions, perhaps... Perhaps there are times you become more preoccupied with getting out of your current situation that you you lose sight of how you can bear fruit and right where you are. Ask the Lord, if that's you, ask the Lord to lift your gaze this morning. And a final question, are you trusting in his love? Are you trusting in his love? Genesis 39 tells us that the Lord is able to show his steadfast love in prisons. That's a wonderful thing. He shows his love in prisons, in hospitals, because he showed it most clearly through the giving of his son to die on the cross for us. Church, God wants us to be able to discern his presence, to trust his purposes, and to trust his love. If I can invite the worship team to return.
This is his kindness, and it shows up on page after page of Scripture of God wanting us to be assured, I'm with you. God wanting us to be assured he has reasons and purposes for why he's doing what he's doing, that we can't always wrap our minds around the ways of God, but to be assured that he loves us. And this is good news to see it in Joseph's life because Joseph's God is our God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We may feel alone at times. We may have trouble seeing his hand and his purposes, but he is always good, always loving, always tender, always purposeful in his dealings with us. Because our God The one true and living God, He is with us. We are not alone. And we can thank Him and we can praise Him. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we marvel. And it does give us courage to seek to honor You and seek Your glory, Lord, even if things go badly for us, Lord, to, like it says in the Psalms, to commit our way to you, to trust in you, and you will act. Lord, because you are a God who can be trusted. You are a God who loves us. And so, Lord, I I pray today, just for any of us, myself included, where we are prone to look to our situation for all of these things, Lord, we instead today want to look to your word. Look to your promise. Look to what you have done. I do pray that you would lift our gaze afresh and, Lord, enliven us for lives to know that the Lord is with us. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.